Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Better Right Show as we approach the final round of fixtures in the Premier League season for this year. Uh, as always, check us out at betitright.com. Uh, check out our Twitter pages, BIR Insights and BIR Prompts, and use all the information that we both chat about here on the show uh, and indeed on the website uh, amongst your friends to help you bet better. Now, two things have happened this week that are both as rare as each other. The first is I got five num- numbers up in the lottery. And the second is that Everton won a football match from 2-0 down. And that means that Dean Selvey is one happy Liverpool fan. <laughs> Come on! Everything You're staying I said in the Premier League. Frank. Oh, Frank Lampard. Now, I may have tweeted a few things about Frank before. I haven't gone back and deleted them. But, Frank, I love you. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I love you. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh I think our 1,878th win, same year that we were founded. I saw a post from Everton this morning. And the first time I've ever won a Premier League game from 2-0 down. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, does this... Everyone's going off, Frank, we love you. Well done, Frank. But is this not just a sort of temporary masking of some pretty monumental issues that he might have as a manager? And, and do you think you'll be in the same position next year, fighting to survive with him at the helm? It's definitely papering over the cracks. The squad needs a complete upheaval, loads of players to, to, to be sold. He needs to cement that system if he wants to play 3-4-3. Three, three. We need good wing-backs. We need centre midfielders that can control the game. We need players that can play in the pockets. Dominic Calvert-Lewin would be a great centre-forward for that, as he showed last night in in patches. Deli Ali actually was very good when he came on as well. Um, but yeah, it's definitely papering over the cracks. And I think Everton fans are smart enough to see that. I'm definitely smart enough to see that, that we do need something huge in the summer to, to not be in the same situation last year. But right now, he can do no wrong. Uh, but yeah, Ollie, just going back to what you said at the start of the show, five numbers on the lottery. Yeah. What, just, just entertain me for a second. What's the difference between five numbers and six numbers with prize money? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. So I got um, £1,750 for five numbers. And if I had the sixth number, it would have been £8.5 million. <laughs> and what's that sounds like great value. Is, is that if I, had the, if I had five numbers and the bonus ball, it would have been straight up million. They would have just gone, there's a million, Ollie. So if I had the bonus ball, so what's that? I'm a... 10 to 1 shot or whatever it is, 9 to 1. I don't know how many bonus balls there are, but... Wow. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 48 to 1 shot when it gets to the last number needed to be win 8.5 million, and I'm a 9 to 1 shot to win a million with the bonus ball once all the oh. other five have come out. Wow. I didn't know it was that... When it gets to the last ball, I didn't know it was that short. Yeah, well, there's only nine... I think there's ten, nine bonus balls, aren't there? <sighs> so you're... you're a, yeah. Ollie I mean, Bell... Uh, the big question, though, would have, for me would be, would you still have done the Bet It Right show today if you were... 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have... Um, I w- the only difference is I would just would have bought a, a flat in Spain so I could have done it next to you or in, <laughs> we could have done it live in person. And you'd so have I probably have been uh, slightly a little bit wobbly on the old camera. A few <laughs> Ever the consummate um, professional with eight and a half million. Might have better internet in Spain, to be honest. We, we wouldn't give James so much of a headache when he's editing this. 
This is true. Um, but look, it was um, it was a near miss. Um, Everton nearly uh, nearly went down, but but you survived. I'm pleased for you. And now it's a it's a heads up duel between Burnley and Leeds. And what we're going to do this week, actually, it's our last main show of the series, obviously because the football season is coming to a close, and there are um, important matches from the top to the bottom of the Premier League. So rather than doing a tactics room or a Premier League preview. We're going to have a, a quick look ahead to every game in the Premier League this weekend. So that's the uh, the most sensible thing to do, which we'll do in a moment, obviously. Next week, we'll do a, a special Champions League preview as well. We'll just have a, a sort of blast on what we think is going to happen in the Champions League. So that there's that to look forward to. And obviously, throughout the course of the off-season, we'll, we'll keep everyone updated on our, on our Twitter pages as to the, the, the goings-on in the world of football before we come back and launch series two of the better right show so lots to look forward to as i say the full premier league preview coming up we do need to say well done to people who correctly predicted the score in the villa burnley game fplcg got it right uh, nissan rollopez racing in the street united daniel were successful and we had a um, successful um, um winner i suppose not that they win the shirt but we had Neil Roberts once again got it right in the surprise shirts, which takes us nicely on to this week's surprise shirts. So, Dean, tell us about last week and, and what do you got for us this week? Yeah, so <clears throat> sporting the Armenia Billfield shirt from last week, they were actually in one of our bets. That was a little hidden little Easter egg for you there in the show last week, if anyone got it. But yeah, sporting that shirt this week. Our shirts, our shirt for, for this week is one of those shirts where when you look at it, you'll probably jump to the country straight away, but the question is, can you get the club? Ollie, because this is the last day of the season, I put your two favourite shirts up behind me as well. And we should just mention the team on the right are into the playoff final. Oh, they are. Uh, your this, left, my right yeah. as I look at it. Yeah, your left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good luck to Port Vale. Vale. And Arsenal de Sarabi, if that's right, the right pronunciation, over here. And I will be bringing that back for you when I come back from Spain, Ollie. So, you know... Thank you very much. Forget eight and a half million. You've got a free shirt. To <laughs> Life is good. All right. So without further ado, let's get on to our shirt for this week. Last week was a bit of Wonder Woman. This week, I am going to channel my inner Eric Cantona. So ladies and gentlemen, BIR users, fans around the world, here is our shirt from this week. And there we go. Look at this for a shirt. Now, the colours may give the country away, Ollie. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, can I give the country away? No, but it's just it's a little... Maybe, maybe there's some people out there that are <laughs> colourblind. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, you know, a classic. This is from 2018. <clears throat> a real kind of old school little collar, a couple of poppers. It's a 2018 shirt. I like Kappa as a sponsor, by the way. I think Kappa's, Kappa's, I'm always a fan of Kappa stuff. Yeah, they do, they do throw out some good stuff every now and again, the old Kappa. It kind of takes you back to being a bit of a teenager. Kind of the old Kappa tracksuit bombs with the... Nostalgic for me, yeah. The poppers. They play in the country's top division. The manager is 36 years old. He's a former Real Madrid and national team player. And his wife is a former, a retired former professional tennis player. Their stadium is the second largest in the country and could once hold over 120,000 fans. It's been restricted to 64,000 now because of the world we live in, where you have to wear a helmet and elbow pads to do anything exciting. But yeah, bet it right users. Can you guess the shirt? 
get over to the Twitter page, post it, get on the YouTube page, post it, and uh, tell me if you can uh, guess the team. You have to wear a helmet and elbow pads if you want to invade a pitch these days. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean... That Billy Sharp thing was genuinely one of the worst things I've ever seen. The guy's got 24 weeks. But then Vieira's obviously been in the news because he kicked out a fan who was taunting him. I mean... I'm all for pitch invasions to a certain extent if your team get promoted, but just don't be a dick when you do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like some of the stuff you're seeing and hearing is appalling, I think. It's madness. That what that guy's thinking, wearing a bright yellow shirt, I know that's not anything to do with it, but you know, if you're gonna it's obviously in the moment, it's not gonna be pre-planned. He's just seen him and thought, well, this is a good idea. And now he's in jail for 24 weeks, we'll probably lose his job. You know, I just don't get it. It goes back to the old days of, you know, if Brian Clough was around, he would have given him a good old right hook. Mm-hmm. But, not yeah, crazy. Of violence on the better right show, by the way. But, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and, like, last night, when Everton scored their third, I'm there as a fan thinking, yes, you know, we've got momentum now, we're going to win the game. And then the fans decide to run on the pitch and give them seven minutes injury time. I was just there like, mm. what goes through their heads? Probably not a lot. There we go. Yeah, well, I'm sure, I have no doubt that something will be done that makes it illegal to, I don't know, there'll be some serious fallout, I think, in light of what's happened this week, because this week it's gone to a different level in terms of fan behaviour and things like that. Um, And I'm sure we'll hear plenty of that uh, in the next uh, few weeks. Um, Shall we move on to the the football this weekend? Then we've got... um, a full list of fixtures to get through in the Premier League. Um, how do you want to do it? Because there's obviously sort of different brackets, isn't there? There's the, the title decider, there's Champions League qualification, both of which will need some uh, slightly peculiar results in many ways, or certainly go against market expectation if there's to be a difference to what we think is is the case. And yeah. then obviously you've got the relegation battle as well. So should we start at the top? Yeah, let's start at the top and work our way through. Just to give the, the viewers and the very right users an idea of what we, why we wanted to do it like this week. Because you're getting into the last day of the season and there's only two games that are nothing to play for. Eight games where there is the title, Champions League, Europa, Stroke Conference, and then the relegation. The, the market prices are, are massively different to what they would normally be. And I'll talk about that. And I'm going to go through each market. So I'll go through the handicap and the totals. A reason on why we should bet either or or leave. Uh, for every game, so why don't we just start at the top with the with the title? All right, City Villa then is the first game I wanted to talk about. City obviously in first. Um, Villa drew with Burnley last night, Thursday night. Um, How do you see this one going? Yeah, City one point ahead, six goals ahead, so it's in their favour. The handicap is two point zero, and the totals are three point two five. Now that tells you everything about how the market thinks City are going to try and manage this game. You very rarely get. The handicap and totals that close. There could be a little bit of value in the Villa on the plus handicap if City go one or two nil up and decide to just shut the game off. I do think Villa have enough attacking quality to score, but if it becomes a bit of a procession for City, then that's where the danger comes in on the handicap. Now on the totals, Villa have shown this season that they're a team that like to stay defensive, like to stay organised, regardless of game state. Game last night against Burnley 1-1, technically nothing to play for for them and they don't tend to kind of open up or unravel as some teams so there could be potential value there for under 3.25 but the danger here is that if City get kind of on a roll and Villa think well it's done now 
the game could unravel and City could score three and four. I doubt Villa have been in a position where last day of the season they are trying to stop a team from winning the league. You've got the Gerrard versus City element. So for me, I'm very much on the fence here. I'd look at the teams. Villa rested a few last night. Ings, Coutinho. I'd wait and see for teams. I'd see how the market prices change between now and then. Probably one to lead, but maybe value in those markets that I've just discussed. Okay. Um, so very much on the fence there. I'm sure throughout the, the preview, you'll have some strong opinions. We don't need to have a bet in every game, but Liverpool-Wolves, is there a bet for you in this one? This is kind of similar to, to the City game, but the difference here is that the Champions League final is hanging. So as Liverpool against Southampton showed, Klopp is going to rotate, he's going to rest, he's going to kind of target players to play and players that he wants to peak on that night. And the handicap here is two. The totals, again, are around 3, 3.25. Now, firstly, again, I would say check the teams, see what Klopp is doing. There could be potential value in the Wolves plus two if Liverpool decide to change, but that price will disappear very quickly as soon as any team news is leaked, as it did the other night with Southampton. So just, there, just, just to... on the team news, though, because he's got, I understand when there was like sort of a congested fixture list where you've got two, three days turnaround and then you've got semis into Premier League game. But he's got a whole week now, doesn't he? Without, well, six days, isn't it? Till he does, yeah. Would he not think... play as full of strength team as part? I know Salah might be away, Van Dijk might be away, etc. Would he not have a full lineup? He rested Trent and Andrew Robertson, for example, last match. Will they not yeah. come back in? No, I he think can't he afford to lose this game, can he? He has to win it. Yeah, they have to win it. But there'll probably be a niggling little thing in his mind, thinking, well, City are probably going to beat Villa. And if a couple of key players got injured, they could end up with neither. But I think you're right. You know, he wants to obviously go out and win the game. There could be a, I mean, Villa is something like 15 to 1 to win that game, which is why the handicap is two. So I do think it's a game where he'll try and find that balance, maybe start strong, take the top players off after 60 minutes once they're ahead. That's another angle that they could go at, which again then affects the totals and the handicap because you might be over 3.25. They're 2-0 up. You're thinking, oh, we're quids in here. And then they just put the brakes on a little bit like the Villarreal game, see it through, take the best players off, give the younger players a chance. That's where I would wait for the teams in both games and look at how the market prices move. Wolves have been defending really poorly and are very much on holiday mode. So if Liverpool do go hard early, there may be slight value in the, in over 3.25. But again, I'd warn our users to be to be wary of Liverpool putting the brakes on in preparation for that final. Like you say, it's a week away, but it only takes one stupid tackle. We've seen a couple last night, those scissor tackles. We saw Everton at the weekend doing flying, you know, yeah. karate kicks into people. You never know. But uh, yeah, those two games for me, because of the one point difference, the goal difference, the handicaps and the totals very close together. One for teams and not a lot of value there for me. OK, Champions League qualification, obviously involving the two North London teams, Spurs and Arsenal. Uh, Spurs travel to Carrow Road, they're away at Norwich and Arsenal are at home to Everton, who now don't have <laughs> anything to worry about. Yeah, whose <laughs> trip to Las Vegas will be very much on their mind. Mm. Uh, Norwich against Spurs it's very hard to see how Arsenal will qualify for the Champions League given the way the fixtures have, have stacked up there but um, what, do you, what do you make of those games? Yeah Spurs two points ahead huge goal difference they only need a point to confirm and go into Norwich who are obviously now relegated and it will just... be peak Spurs though wouldn't it? This is, this is peak 
this is why Spursy was invented. Uh, but coming off the North London derby win, Arsenal's kind of implosion towards the end of the season now, and they were in a good position to to obviously take the final spot. Handicap here is 2.0, totals are 3.25, same as the two games we've just talked about. Antonio Conte is a master at seeing games through like this. Did it really well at Inter in specific cup games, in specific league games. So I will see it here that they will just set up to win. He won't go over expansive when they're ahead. He won't go like, all right, let's go and steamroll Norwich. He'll be very, very professional about it, which is why the handicap at 2.0, I think, is about right. You can see them going 2 0 up and just saying, okay, this is done. Potential there for them to get over the line, given that it's Norwich, but again, another one that I think is about right. The toll is at 3.25, very similar again. You know, are Norwich going to score? Do they have the ability to score? If Spurs score three, it's one, it's one way you look at potential of a double bet and you could see the result landing right in the middle, like the two or the three goals. So it's like, ah, if you took both, you might lose half on the goal line and win the handicap or you might get your money back on the handicap and lose your goal money. So again, similar to the first two, very much a game where I think the market's got it about right, potential value in Spurs. Now, Arsenal Everton, as we've just talked about, Everton are going to be in the pub, right? There's no doubt about it. I know they're professional footballers, but there's probably going to have been a little bit of a party last night. And the price has been moving 1.25, 1.5, depending on what you want to take, close to 1.8, close to 2. The difference, the, the, the other difficult thing here is the communication will come through from the Spurs game. Now, if Spurs are 3-0 up, what do Arsenal do? Do they continue to play? Do they just suck it off? Do they implode and let Everton just kind of have a great time because they'll just be partying from last night? That's where the handicap for me is a little bit difficult. So I would say leave there. Now on the goals, 3.0. I do think there could be goals here. Because Everton are in that holiday mode, Arsenal need to win the game. If the result from Spurs comes through and Arsenal are ahead, what happens? Everton might just want to go out and have a great time and play with some complete freedom. So there could be values in over three here. But the, the the danger is obviously what's happening in the other game and how that impacts Arsenal. But it is at home. They will want to finish the season positively. The fans aren't going to be that happy with them missing out, especially to Spurs. So there could be a little bit of that, maybe another pitch invasion. But they could, I do think there's potential value in over three there if the market holds. OK, so the Arsenal-Everton game, a potential bet there. And then we've got the Europa League, Conference League, sort of West Ham, United, um, looking at looking at that sort of positioning in the table so West Ham go to um, Brighton is that right that's right yeah man you go to Selhurst Park so they're at they're at Palace who have had a pretty good season actually under Vieira um yeah how do you see these two matches so West Ham two points behind United with a better goal difference so it's a game that they have to win the market has this game priced at draw no bet Brighton nothing to play for I think Graham Potter's one of those managers where they'll still play, they'll still play their style, they'll still want to finish the season strong, especially at home, having had you know a very positive season, currently lining 10th. You know, and they were flirting with relegation at one point. But given that West Ham need three points to leapfrog United into six, I think West Ham are good value here at draw no bet. They've got enough in the final third. They've scored a few goals in the last couple of games to get that final third rocking again. So I really think that their value there for draw no bet, the totals. I would leave. Uh, you're looking at around 2.753 here. I would leave that because if United are losing, then West Ham could just shut up shop and see the game out of 2-0. Uh, 
and you'd be able to there to win your handicap and you'd lose your goal bet. So I'd leave the totals there. Um, but yeah, West Ham, good value at draw no bet. Palace versus United. Interestingly, Eric Ten Hag has been over at United last couple of weeks, taking training, looking at players in training, interacting with the players. Now, you could look at this two different ways. Firstly, it could be a positive because the players could start to say, oh, OK, all right, you know, the Ten Hag kind of dynasty is starting. We can we can go into this last game feeling nice and free. But on the other side, he could be in training going, well, that guy's terrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. And it could be kind of a bit frosty with a lot of players thinking, well, I'm probably going to get sold in the win in, in the summer or I'm leaving in the summer. Looking at Palace last night, obviously 2-0 up and Everton came back, but that's got a lot to do with the fans and a lot to do with the situation Everton were in. They actually looked pretty good, rested Conor Gallagher, he came on. The market here is a quarter, so in favour of Palace. Palace plus a quarter, Manu minus a quarter. And I do think there is value here, uh, value here for Palace at plus a quarter. On the plus handicap at home, we want to season, uh, finish the season strong. Man United in this weird Ten Hag hanging around, not really in, not really out situation. A lot of players worried. I do think there is value there for Palace on the plus handicap. The totals are two and a half. I would leave that. Man United, final third. Palace, I think two and a half is about right. I'd leave that there and just go, go on the Palace handicap bet. And now we move on to the relegation battle. Of which up. Everton are not a part of. Heads up, oh, hey. say, yeah. The heads up contest now between um, Leeds and Burnley. So Leeds are away at Brentford. Um, Brentford versus Leeds. Leeds have to win. And Burnley are at home to Newcastle. So you look at that and you think that Burnley have the better of the fixes. They're obviously home. It is a must win for Leeds. Uh, it's going to be fascinating because actually, how much do you reckon they'll be they'll be getting relayed information about what the other teams are doing? Will they have literally minute-by-minute minute updates? Because it yeah. obviously would change how they approach it, isn't it? Yeah, I think it will. It takes me back. It's a long time ago, but there was the game on the front. And this is where I show my age. And most of the better right users will probably be thinking, well, I wasn't even alive then or I was, you know, five years old. You just talking about Mickey Thomas? <laughs> no, it was when Man United went to West Ham on the last day of the season. And Liverpool played Blackburn at home and Blackburn won the league. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, they've gone there and lost. But then there's that information coming through. And uh, the fans will know and the fans will let the players know as well. They'll have their, you know, their yeah. ear, ear pods in and the, the benches will know. And it's 100% going to be coming through to the players. Now, the Brentford-Leeds game, like you said, it's a must-win for Leeds. They... They must better the result that Burnley get. And Burnley have that much better goal difference. So, you know, points not good enough. The handicap is, is a quarter. I would leave that. Just game state, Brentford at home. I think that's just, just about right. Leave that. But I do think there's massive value in the overs. Leeds have to win. They can't really defend. Brentford showed against Everton. Christian Eriksen pulling the strings. They're still very much, you know, playing really positive football. It's their, it's their last home game in their first season in the Premier League. They will 100% want to go out there and, and do a really good job. So the market is 2.75. I would make overs there an absolute an absolute bet, 100%. OK. And then Burnley, Newcastle? Now moving over to there, the handicap again is a quarter. I would leave that. Newcastle have obviously looked really, really good. A little relationship here. Eddie Howe had that really small spell at Burnley before he went back to Bournemouth. So there's a little bit there. The goal line is two and a half. 
Now that already reflects the to play for here because this game would normally be a two or a 2.25 goal line with Burnley at home in Newcastle. Now, Bert, you know, one point may be enough for Burnley. If they hear that Leeds are 2-0 down and they're drawing, do they shut up shop and just hope that Leeds don't make the comeback they ever made last night? That could impact the goals. On the handicap, like I said, you know, if they're 1-0 up, Newcastle have been very, very good. Are they going to take their foot off? So this is a game where I actually think that it's probably a leave on both sides because there's too many bits that could influence Burnley here if Leeds are behind and the goal line at two and a half. I think the market have already adjusted for the to play for here. So I don't think there's any value there. So that game I would leave. Then there are there are two games. Good luck to both Leeds and Burnley, actually. Nervous few days for fans of those clubs. Uh, and, and whatever happens, I think Leeds have been a breath of fresh air. But ultimately, and I was speaking to, to Nick Goff, who does a bit of work with us here at Bet It Right. I don't think Leeds should ever have been in this position. And the reason they are is because they panicked into sacking Bielsa. Bielsa had to work without Cooper, Phillips and Bamford and had a poor run of results because essentially the the heartbeat of his team, the the skeleton wasn't there, the spine wasn't there. They they sacked him, brought in Jesse Marsh and it's not been any better. It's been worse in many ways. Um. So the thing with Bielsa, because Bielsa was so good for Leeds, he was so much a part of the everything that they stand for. I think that it's a shame, really. Is, is my yeah, point. it is a shame, and it's a little bit like Dyche getting sacked at Burnley in the situation that they're now in. But the thing with Bielsa and Dyche to a certain extent as well, because they're so principled in the way that they play the game and they're so structured, and and the rules around how their players play, the positions that they pick up. The runs that they make, the the defensive and attacking transitions, very structured, more for Leeds than Burnley, but Burnley obviously have that very rigid kind of 4-4-2 shape. Because of that, when you take out those key players and you're bringing in players that aren't as good as them, that can't do it as well as them, a lot of managers would then change the shape to adapt around the new players that are in the group and say, well, actually, this shape probably suits this player better. This shape suits this player better or this system. Whereas Bielsa wouldn't do that. It would still be that full tilt at maximum intensity, that individual 1v1 defending with players that maybe just couldn't do it. And that's where that flexibility sometimes to say, look, all right, take my medicine, I'll change my shape for a few games, get a bit of rhythm, get us back in it. You know, maybe that's where you kind of die on your sword when you're so principled, like like Guardiola in the Champions League, you know, wanting to play out instead of sticking the ball in the corner. And and you have that massive success from it, but you're also going to be punished sometimes because of it as well. Um, there are games with nothing to play for. Two games, Leicester versus Southampton and Chelsea versus Watford. Um, their seasons are essentially done and dusted. Um, yeah. James Madison's had a good end to the season, well, good season all round, actually. He's being talked about as a potential England call-up. He's certainly in the conversation. Perhaps he'll go to the World Cup. Um, what, what do we make of these games? Leicester-Southampton, I'd leave the handicap. Uh, I don't. You don't know what's going to turn up from Southampton. They've been on the beach for a few weeks. Leicester, very similar kind of up and down with their performances. But what these two teams do guarantee is good attackers and bad defenders. So with the totals at 3.0, I'd say 100% on the overs. I would even be tempted to take the bigger line. So look at 3.5, which is around 2.45, as opposed to taking the three and looking to get your money back. I think if you win here, you win big. It'd be a 4-5 goal game. Uh, so I'd, I'd say take the bigger line there uh, on the overs. <clears throat> the Chelsea versus Watford game. Champions League done for Chelsea with that 1-1 draw last night. That was the point. 
So that you'd like to think they're now in rela relaxation mode. They want a little bit of a party atmosphere in what's been a difficult year for the club. Watford relegated, handicap 2.0, similar to the games we talked about earlier. I would leave that. The totals at 3.25. Same, basically the markets put all these games into the same bracket. The City game, the Liverpool game, this game, the Tottenham game, 2 and 3.25. I would check the teams. Could be an open game, given that it's basically just a run around, like we talked about. But Chelsea don't seem to be that open and aggressive. Watford will always concede. I would check the teams there. And if the teams look positive, a few fringe players could play for both teams. I would see uh, value in, in over 3.25 if the teams are right. OK, that is a look ahead to the uh, to the 10 Premier League fixes that take place on Sunday. What time are the kickoffs? Is it three? Four o'clock, I think. Five o'clock here in Spain, I think. Four o'clock. Four o'clock kickoffs. <clears throat> yeah. Just as I go on air for the Sunday series on ITV4 at York. Ideal. <laughs> Won't be able to watch any of it. Um, that little buzz on in your pocket so that you know. Yeah, I don't look by my app. That's the other thing I was thinking. You know, back in the day, probably in 95 or whatever, when Blackburn won it and everyone's in the in the stands with their sort of wireless, you know, portable yeah. radios listening in. And that, that I used to love that. And now everyone's just checking their phone. You don't need that. But I, I used to love those images of people like sharing it and tuning it and... That anyway. was me watching the 1991 FA Cup final between Spurs and Nottingham Forest um, with an ear pick, with a with a little portable TV, like an old one with a with an aerial. I was at my auntie's wedding and I was watching it outside the wedding under the tree with like a crappy picture. Uh, kids, of, cool. kids of today would never appreciate that with a mobile phone. You, everything. you used to get a portable TV that was the size of a phone, didn't you? It's so yeah, it's like, like this. Pull out the longest aerial ever. Yeah. And I had <laughs> no picture. Aerial. Uh, just a crackly picture of like something happening you know and a few noises but here what we go a nostalgic little journey back through time that was i know i know back when to <laughs> could you take me to europe though now have you got games you want to talk about in europe yeah i can just a very quick swizz around europe little uh little moped trip for the day most of the leagues are finished. League earned last night of the season. I'm going to make a bet against PSG. Nothing to play for. Mbappe's won French Player of the Year for the third season in a row. Did you read about the fact that they've offered yeah. him control of sporting control operations? Control of the club. It's Basically, absolutely outrageous, that. It's just bananas. If one million a week wasn't enough, you can actually just come here and do what you want. Yeah. That, that, that would definitely create the right culture and atmosphere at that club because that's... <laughs> I think it's genuinely like I couldn't believe it when I read that. And 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 this, you know, this this season for them again, the Champions League failure, the walk the walkover in the league, Neymar performing terribly, Messi a difficult transition season, and Mbappe coming to the end of his contract, going to leave on a free <clears throat> to Real Madrid, and they've offered him a million a week to stay, and he's probably going to say no. They're the number two attacking team in the league uh, at home. They're the number one defensive team. But they are facing a team in Mets that are currently in the relegation playoff spot. And they're tied with St Etienne on 31 points. St Etienne are away against cup winners none, who will probably be still in party mode. So this is a, a game that Mets need to get a result in. And if you looked at the stats here, you probably wouldn't bet Mets because they've got the number one worst attacking uh, away from home attacking record with only 0.72 goals per game. But here on the handicap, they are plus 2.25. Thinking that they need a result, Thinking that PSG will be on holiday, I think that's a that's a good shout for a for a plus handicap bet. And there is potential equity in taking 
the over 3.75 line and bet in both because it's very unlikely that, that you won't win one bet there. So, yeah, I think there's good value there in Mets to 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 get a result against the PSG team that just don't really care. OK, that's um, that's in France. Serie A, anything? Yes, yeah, Serie A, we've got eight out of ten games with something to play for. So similar to the Prem, it's going to be a really, really interesting end of the season with relegation, with European, with the title race still open between Inter Milan and AC. It's very almost a direct replica of the Premier League finish. And much like uh, the Prem, we've got two, non no, uh, two nothing to play for games. And these are the games that I want to make recommendations for. Firstly, you've got Lazio versus Verona. Immobile may be injured for Lazio, so just look out for that in the teams. They've really struggled to replace him when he when he hasn't played. Lazio, very, very aggressive and open at home. Verona, high pressing, a little bit like Bielsa. They come from the Gasparini method where it's a 3-4-2-1 and they want to go individual high press. So the game should be very transitional, very open. So I do think that there will be goals there. And the line is around 3.0. Now, I'm going to talk about the other game first and talk about a few combinations in bets. The second game is Spezia versus Napoli. Big celebration last weekend for uh, Insigne at Napoli, a massive trophy that was actually bigger than him. You see him on the pitch. <laughs> Looking like an under 10, getting a player of the season trophy like this. And just check for rotation in both games. But Napoli will want to finish the season strong. Spezia have finally secured their Serie A position for next season. So they're going to be in holiday and celebration mode. And I think Napoli will want a good final game for Insigne. They beat Genoa last week 3-0 to, to relegate Genoa. So again, nothing to play for. But the goal line again is three. Now, if you did a double on over three in both games, the odds you would get is 3.43. Now, if you wanted to be a little bit safer, you could go over 2.75 in both for 2.74. Or if you wanted to be really safe, you could go over 2.5. The goal line, remember, is three in both. So market expects over, over two and a half, three goals in both, which is 2.36. So depending on you know the, the returns that you want, there's a few options there. The other option is to go for both teams to win because I do expect Lazio to beat Verona and I do expect Napoli to beat Spezia. And just go straight out, Napoli to win an over 2.5, Lazio to win an over 2.5, put them in a double, and that would be odds of around 4.5. So a few different ways to look at those games in Europe. Okay. Um, I th person, I was looking at the outright market, and I think eleven to two about um, Inter or whatever six to one. I think because Sassuolo are a team that just they can just. <laughs> and we've spoken about them every week. Who's that? I've never heard of them. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> they're they're a team that against. I don't know that they're, they're a frustrating team because against bad teams, they can get beat and against good teams, they can look like they should be competing for the title every week. Um, it, and, and if it's a, if, if AC draw and Inter win, then they, because Inter's goal difference is much better, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if Inter pulled this out of the bag on the final day of the season. Well, Sassuolo did go to Milan and beat them 3-1 in the return game. And they are a team that thrive playing on the counter-attack when they've got big open spaces. Now, I think Milan might approach the game away at Sassuolo a little bit different, and they may allow them to have possession. They play in a very much a positional structure. It's it's very much about positions and relationships and no more than two and three players on vertical and horizontal lines. So it is very, very structured. And Milan are a team that play better on the counter-attack with Rafael Liao. And I'm sure you saw Teo Hernandez's goal last weekend against Atalanta. He's 75 yard, yeah. one beat one. Oh, that was unreal. 
Can't get in the French squad though. Was you know wasn't there for the Euros. But hey, Luca Digne is better. Said no. Yeah, but, but the French squad doesn't have Canati, Camavinga, Edward. Like they're blessed that team. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Those but players out as a left back. If you oh, want no, an expansive, no. aggressive left back, one of the best in the world, and he showed that. And yeah, it's for for those bet it right users that tend to follow the Prem or the Championship. Just tune into Serie A this weekend. What they've done with the with the games, they haven't got them all at the same time. They've positioned the games together that matter. So Inter and AC kick off at the same time. Salernitana and Cagliari kick off at the same time. So they've staggered the games over the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but they've pieced together the games that matter. So it gives you kind of, you know, not just one big moment of excitement all at four o'clock. It gives you nice staggered moments of excitement. So another another good league to bet on potentially this weekend. Yeah, good stuff. Um, we'll come back next week to do a Champions League preview, if that's all right. Um, looking yeah, to Liverpool Madrid. it's all right with me. Um, One thing I would like to say, Oli, just at the end, is just to give another shout out, like like last week, to our prompts page, our oh, other yeah. service alongside our insights, alongside this show. It's our automated service that takes the history of games and matchups and teams and generates automated prompts. This week, again, profit of £336 against the £2 level stake. Over 15.5% profit, high score, highest winning price being 19.5, so 18.5 to 1. And similar to last week, our first half result, 1x2. And our correct score were our best performing markets. There was 116 and 142 prompts in those two markets. And they returned 31% and 38% profit, which was up from around the 30% last week. And the half-time, full-time also returned a tasty 21% return. So... Those users that watch the show see the clips that aren't following that that uh, service on Twitter yet, get on board. Yeah, well said. Dean, thank you very much. Head to the YouTube channel to um, to make your suggestions for this week's surprise shirts. BIR Insights, BIR Prompts, and betterright.com is the website address. I'm sure you all know that by now, but please please head there. Check out the uh, this weekend's round of fixtures. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week for the uh, for the Champions League special. Dean, thank you very much. Holly, Bay Right users, have a great weekend. See you next week.